This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to the sixth edition of the 2019 New York Jets offseason roundtable. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And leading off today is the second most senior writer on the New York Jets beat. Does a hell of a job there and also has fantastic taste in music. In fact, if we weren't recording about the Jets today, we could probably record a three-hour podcast about hard rock and heavy metal. And who knows? Maybe we'll get to some of that later. But in the meantime, I'm really glad that he was able to make a few minutes to talk about the New York Jets 2019 offseason plans with me. Mr. Dennis Wozak, what's going on, Dennis? (laughs) What's happening, Scott? I like that intro. Rock on, baby. I've always said that if things don't work out for you at the Associated Press, Rolling Stone's going to be calling you, asking you to come in and be the next incarnation of the old days when they had great reviewers like David Frick and Kurt Loder. You know what? I have a feeling that would have been more fun in my single days, in my 20s. You know, like that that might have been a blast going, you know, covering rock and and kind of bouncing around the country. Now, man, I, I, I have to I have to listen to my music in my car on my way to and from work, you know, it's like, I can't, it's hard to, to play kill switch engage and, uh, like even Metallica sometimes in the house, you know, with the, the kids running around. So, uh, so yeah, that would have been nice back in the day. Oh yeah, for sure. And the music was better back then. I'm sure we could wax poetic all day about the great grunge music that we grew up on. And in fact, seriously, one of these days we should do just the whole podcast on that stuff. But since we're talking about the Jets today, and I hope everybody that's listening isn't going, man, I thought this was a Jets podcast. Why do they keep talking about music? So we're going to get to the Jets, even though you really should be listening to the old school Metallica that Dennis was bringing up. And of course, all the great bands that we grew up with, Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and all of that. The Jets are also something that we grew up with, although we have probably not as good memories with the Jets as we do with our (laughs) musical groups that we're big fans of. But now we have a new coach in town for the Jets, same general manager, so I want to ask you about both of those. But let's start with the brand new coach, and that's Adam Gase. What are your thoughts on this? You know, it's funny, Scott, because at the very beginning of the search, um, as you know, you heard a lot of things about different guys and, and seeing that Mike McCarthy was a guy, you know, that a lot of people wanted. And then it kind of cooled and, you know, out of nowhere, Matt Rule came out, you know, from Baylor and he was kind of the hot guy. And, you know, it seemed as if people, the fans, wanted anybody but Adam Gase, you know. And, <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, you know, <laughs> to uh, many of the fans' dismay, uh, you know, they announced uh, Adam Gase as the new coach, and I think um, you kind of have to go into it with an open mind. I, the, the thing that I, I've said to a few people is that if you remember three years ago, Gase was that hot assistant. You know, he was that guy that everybody was talking about as, as being the next guy. You know, you, even like around that, that time when McVay was kind of coming up and, and becoming, you know, what you know, people have seen him to be, um, you know, and he, he kind of struggled. He had some, some things go, go wrong down in Miami, you know, and number one, he had a quarterback that was hurt and wasn't very good, you know? So I think here he's getting an opportunity to get a young, uh, you know, potential star in Sam Darnold. And, and I, I think, it, you know, he just, he salivates over that opportunity uh, to, to kind of get with this kid and really build him from the, the ground floor, you know, and he's got a year under his belt, Darnold, you know, and, 
and he went through the struggles, and now you expect this will be the year he kind of takes off. And from all uh, indications and reports, Darnold and, and Gase have already hit it off, you know, and they, they enjoyed uh, talking to each other during the, the whole interview process when, when Gase was um, being talked to by the Jets. So, you know, I, I think you just got to kind of, you know, see what happens here. And, um, you know, I, I like the fact that he brought in, you know, a few people like uh, Frank Pollock, you know, the offensive line coach, uh, Sean Jefferson. He's going to be the assistant head coach and wide receivers. Uh, you know, Jim Bob Cooter, coaching the running back. So he's, he's brought an offensive staff in that, um, you, you know, has some, you know, has some experience and, uh, you know, some good names in there. And uh, let's, let's see, you know, and, and he wants to focus obviously on the offense and Greg Williams will handle the defense and they'll go from there. So I think you, that's, like I said at the beginning, you just got to kind of keep an open mind, kind of forget or or not forget, but just kind of take uh, what happened in Miami with a grain of salt, especially the way it ended. You know, I, I, this is a new era for the Jets. I, I think he might not have been the sexiest name, the biggest name, but he might have been the best guy when it comes to dealing with Sam Darnold. So you think overall he's done a good job assembling his staff? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, you know, you bring in a guy like Greg Williams, that shows some guts, too, because you know that, that Greg Williams is, is the type of personality that you will have to deal with at some point because he's a strong personality. We've all seen it. We've all seen it on Hard Knocks, you know, when he was with the Browns and, you know, he's been with the Rams and then obviously the Saints and so on. Um, you know, and, and even that, that staff there, too, uh, you know, he brings in Joe Vitt, um, which is interesting because of the two having, you know, they were central figures in the Bounty Gate uh, scandal in New Orleans, and uh, Frank Bush as the assistant head coach, and uh, you know, I, I think you you have some some football guys. You know, you you got these guys who have like just like the offense, you've got some experience to work with, and and uh, it'll be interesting to see just kind of how. Greg Williams and Adam Gase uh, play off each other and, and how they work with each other. And, and, and like I said, it's a, a gutsy move to bring in a guy who has head coaching experience, who wanted to be a head coach, who wanted to do the Brown shop, who wanted to stay, you know. So, um, you know, we'll see. But I, I think so far that's a, that's a pretty, you know, damn good coaching staff that they have there. Mike McCagnin was a guy that was under fire from a significant portion of the Jets fan base. Yet, it's no surprise to anybody that Mike McCagnin stuck around. We all expected it. Do you think that that was wise by the Jets to keep him? Or do you think that maybe they should have swept him out and started clean with a new coach and a new general manager? Well, I, I think um, when it was all going down, I, I thought my gut feeling was, hey, you know what? Um, start from scratch, you know, just, just let it go, um, and, and start from scratch. However, um, and a few people, uh, brought, brought this point up. If you did that, who do you have making the decision on the coaching staff? Who do you have making the decision on free agents, you know, and, and that sort of thing? So there, there would be so much more, um, uncertainty when it comes to, uh, the roster. Um, I, I still think they probably should have uh, started from scratch, um, but because I can't imagine that even if the Jets struggle this season coming up, 
that they would get rid of McCagnin. So you're looking at, at really giving him a few more years now. So regardless of what happens, I mean, I, can you picture them, you know, if the Jets go 3-13 and 13 this, this year, that just cleaning house again, getting rid of the coaching staff, and then getting rid of the GM? It just, you know, what does that do to Sam Darnold? You know, what does that do to some of the young guys who – are you know trying to you know get their career started basically you know so um, yeah I mean but the pressure's on he's got to McCagnan's got to make smart moves he's got all the money you know and he's and he's got you know he's got some some uh, you know core guys with Darnold and and Jamal Adams obviously you know a healthy Marcus May you know some guys like that you throw in there so we'll see but the, the the jury is still out on McCagnin, which seems weird after, you know, this this long a period, you know, but he's getting a chance, and, and this is it. So, you know, obviously Jet fans have to trust that he's going to make the right decisions with $100 million in cap space. Dennis, you just said the magic words, $100 million in cap space. That's what Mike McCagnin is going to have at his disposal as free agency gets started. He had $100 million at his disposal last year, and unfortunately the results were underwhelming. Tremaine Johnson was the big one, and he didn't play so well. Some of the other guys, including Spencer Long, played so poorly that he's now out the door. This year they've got to do better. They've got to get it right. And there are several pieces that they could add in free agency. We'll get to the draft in a second where they could add other pieces. Talk to me about where you think they're going to look to go, and we'll save Le'Veon Bell for last. So everything but Le'Veon Bell. Well, I, I think you got to look at um, the pass rush, the outside linebackers and defensive ends, and I, I think you start with guys like D4. You know, Kansas City, will the Chiefs franchise him? If not, then you know he's a guy that they'll look at uh, Davian uh, Clowney, um, he's he's best suited um, in a four-three, I think, and and Craig Williams is uh, that's the type of defense he primarily runs, which will affect some guys who are already on this team. You know, um, it's like you know a guy who's who's a free agent coming up, Henry Anderson. Um, you know, the reason he came to the Jets, the Colts went from a three-four to a four-three. Um, you know, I don't know if they paid him the money, uh, you know, to come back. Um, what, what happens to Jordan Jenkins? Do they slide him to defensive end? I don't know about that. I think uh, Leonard Williams, that'll help. Darren Lee, that'll help. But then you look at some of the other, the, the free agents outside of the team, and you've got to look at guys like uh, Clowney and Ford and, and even, you know, Dante Fowler is a guy that, that you know, that his, his name's been kicked around for, you know, a year or two now that, you know, potentially coming here. Um, Darius Smith from Baltimore, Shaquille Barrett from Denver. Those are the guys I think we'll, we'll be hearing a lot about, uh, you know, a month from now that, that are guys that can fit and guys that, that they'll want. And another spot is, uh, center. What do they do with center? Because right now, so Spencer Long is gone and he wasn't going to be the center anyway. And Jonathan Harrison is a free agent. Um, you know, and, and Harrison is an athletic center. Uh, so it really depends on what um, the new uh, offensive line coach, uh, Frank Pollock, how, what he wants to do there, too. If he wants like, one of those big bodies, well, you know, they might go a different way. And Mitch Morse from the Chiefs is a free agent. So is uh, uh, Matt Paradise from, uh, from Denver. So they might look to try to add 
a guy, you know, in free agency at center and try to stabilize that line because we know that that was an issue uh, last year. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe they add a guy like Golden Tate. Maybe he's a guy who they'd like to add to that wide receiving core. And, you know, I mean, I know we talked about Antonio Brown and you hear that name a lot, but, you know, maybe Golden Tate would help with Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunwa. Uh, you know, guys like that. So I, I think those are probably the main names we'll hear kicked around as far as outside linebacker, defensive end, uh, center, and, uh, and been wide receiver. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. What about the draft? Any names that you think could be linked to the New York Jets here in this process, whether it's at number three or later on? And as far as that particular pick, barring something like Nick Bosa falling, do you think they're going to be looking to move out of that spot and pick up some extra picks? Yeah, I think that's a possibility. But I I think also at number three, they've got some options. They have, you know, some guys that you look at at the top of that draft that could help um, edge rushers, you know, that, that you know, like Josh Allen or Rashawn Gary, um, you know, Nick Bosa, if he somehow falls to three and Quinn Williams, you know, if he, fall, you know, if he, if he's there, that might be a, po- a possibility too. And all four of those guys would help that defensive line, you know? So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I think those guys are possibilities, but, uh, trading trading down from uh, from three is a possibility too. I, I could see that as well. It's 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 tough to say right now. You know, two months away and that kind of thing. We'll see what happens. But um, you know, I, I think um, all options are possibilities at this point. Um, but you know, they might be able to to really get a stud on that defensive line at that spot. You know, so we'll see what happens. As far as the offensive line goes in the draft, do you think that regardless of whether or not they pick an offensive line with their first-round pick, they're going to look to address it in other rounds of the draft, perhaps the two yeah. third-round picks that they have? Yeah, I, I would think that would be a, a good bet. You know, I mean, it, Carpenter uh, won't be back, I don't think. Um, so, you know, who do they, what do they do at left guard? Um, that might be a, a shot, you know, to, to kind of to get a guy who could start right away. Um, early on in the draft, you know, put him in left guard. You know, that you have um, – it'll be interesting to see what they do with Kelvin Beecham. You know, he's due a, a big um, – uh, you know, he counts uh, – you know, uh, he's got a big cap number going into the season at left tackle, but it's also a position you don't really want to play around with. You know, if they don't have another option, might just bring him back and eat, you know, eat that, that salary and let him play. He's solid enough, you know, you <laughs> You want to protect the quarterback and, you know, that left tackle. So um, I would think that they would keep him. Plus, he's, he's been a good person to have in that locker room. He's, he's uh, you know, he's had a pretty solid career. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I, I think, you know, you could be looking at, at two-fifths of that line with, or, you know, three-fifths of the line with new stars going to the season. 
So they, they need to decide that early. They either free agency or draft and then, and then roll with it so that Darnold can know who his guys up front are going to be as soon as, you know, minicamp is going. So I think that's important. That, that's, that might be as important as, you know, any other position going into this offseason. Dennis, last year, the straw that stirred the drink of Jets free agency was Kirk Cousins. Everybody knew they were going to make a run at him. They did. They apparently offered him the most money, but he ended up going to Minnesota. This year, it's another market anomaly, whereas Kirk Cousins should not have been a free agent last year. This year, it's Le'Veon Bell. A lot of people are tying the Jets to him as far as interest as well, and they say that the Jets may be among the highest, if not the highest, bidder for his services. So two-part question here, Dennis. Do you think they should go hard after him and offer them whatever they have to? And B, do you think that's what they're going to do? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. I, it's hard to get over the fact that it seems like Le'Veon Bell has been around a while and done a lot of things in his league, and he's only 26 years old. He's 26 years old, and he's got you know a year where he didn't play. Now, I think... You put that guy in most any offense, and it's an upgrade, without a doubt. I just wonder about his approach, his attitude, you know, and, and all you know all those things that people have kind of uh, you know said that they're wary about. On the other hand, I mean, this guy really, um, you know, he was he made a shrewd business decision on his you know on his part, you know that that's. He wanted what he wanted to do, and, you know, he wanted – it's all about the guaranteed money. We know how it goes in these contracts and, and all of that. So you just, you just wonder um, what the desire for football is with him. You know, what uh, – do you want to bring a guy like that into that locker room? All that said, I think they will make a push for him. I think that – that, I mean – you put him, like I said, you put him in the offense, and it just makes that team so much better right off the bat. You know, just having him in the backfield and able to catch passes out of the backfield and line up, you know, as a, you know, wide and let him go, it just, I think it makes a lot of sense. And again, he's only 26. Yeah, he's played a lot in those few seasons that he's played, but he's still got a few more years. And, and you know what? You don't go crazy overboard with the money, and you make sure you, you have a way to get out of it after two years, you know, and, and I mean, we've seen how all these, these contracts are structured. Um, you know, that's, that's where they have to be smart if they do that, where if it doesn't work out after two years, you can bail, you know, and, and uh, so I, I think they will do that. And will they throw him the most money? Maybe not. I mean, but um, I think if you're Le'Veon Bell and you look at, at this team that will be, uh, you know, it, it's a it's a promising team because you have the quarterback, you have some pieces, you've got a defensive coordinator coordinator coming in who's going to wile up the, that that defensive uh, you know core. You got you know Jamal Adams on that side, so I think you have to be excited. And as you know, as far as recruiting, Jamal Adams, as we've seen on Twitter, is the number one recruiter, and he's uh, he's trying to get Le'Veon Bell over there, you know, to the Jets. So, I mean, if he knows, he's going to know Le'Veon Bell. He's going to know everything about this team if he doesn't already. 
So, I mean, in his, in his mind, he might even, you know, be leaning one way or the other at this point. You know, regardless of what the, the you know, the salary is, he, he might know, okay, if they hit the right number, I'm going, or, or, or you know, maybe he wants to go to a team that's going to win right away. But, yeah, I, I think they'll go and, you know, give it, give it a shot at the very least. Cliff Kingsbury went as far as to flirt with the moms of recruits, so I'm curious to see how far <laughs> Jamal Adams is willing to go to get Le'Veon Bell here. But if they get Le'Veon Bell, Dennis, there's still plenty of work to be done. We talked about the draft, but there's also, of course, the trade market. And you mentioned before the possibility of Antonio Brown. We've heard the name A.J. Green, and there are others. Do you think that the Jets could potentially look to make a big splash on the trade market, especially if they land Le'Veon Bell? Because if they do that, then maybe they think they're one or two moves away from competing for a playoff spot? Yeah, I mean, if they if they land Le'Veon Bell, then they're, they're all in. You know, they're all in to kind of try to, you know, get to the playoffs, if not this year, but, you know, certainly the following year and make a big splash, you know. So I would think, I, I can't imagine Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell coming here. Um, but, hey, you know, I, I'm not even sure what their relationship is like, but if, if one goes, the other might be like, all right, let's, let's ride, you know, let's do this. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, I, I think that's the other thing. You add another big-time one receiver to that offense, and suddenly this offense looks a hell of a lot better than than it has in you know in a long time. Maybe you know, since the, the Marshall Decker you know year when when both of those guys were were uh, you know just catching everything you know from Ryan Fitzpatrick. But yeah, I, I think um, a lot will depend on what they think they can do in free agency and if they can get a guy like a Golden Tate or somebody like that and and then go from there. But, I mean, that's the thing, Scott. You know, this offseason is is probably the biggest, most important offseason this franchise has had in years because of the ramifications of, you know, what they will do now and and what effect that will have on the future. Because if you screw this up now, Man, you know the fans are going to let everybody hear about it, and you know you, you could you know go a few years without winning with a guy that you think you finally found as a franchise quarterback. So you you need to you need to hit this. You know you you need to get it right. So I think, like I said before, all options are on the table with this team, and it's a new regime too in, t- in terms of the coaches, you know, the coaching staff, and all that. I, I think. Um, you, you know, it, it remains to be seen what their philosophies are as far as, uh, you know, what type of players they, they will take. You know, you knew, like, Bowles, um, you know, wanted certain types of players. So, like, we, you know, we could see all kinds of things that we, we don't even, you know, options that we don't even realize at this point. So it's an exciting time. That's how you, you got to approach it that way as a Jet fan. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Dennis, it's going to be intriguing to see what the makeup of this team is, as you were saying, in terms of personnel, what they do in the draft, what they do in free agency, possible trades, scheme fits, the way that they build this roster from the ground up. But 
the even more interesting question to some people, not me, but some people, is what the <laughs> uniforms are going to look like that these players are going to be wearing. you have any news on this, and what are your thoughts? Do you think that it matters at all? Do you think that there's a time or a date that this could actually happen? you have any hunch where they're going to go design-wise? What do you got on this? Man, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, they're keeping this hush-hush. I mean, it, this is... This is like top secret info that they're, they, they don't want to let, you know, anything out there at this point. I think, um, from what we've all kind of seen is it's going to be some sort of, you know, like a brighter green and who, that seems like there might be some black in it. And, you know, as far as the, the color scheme, I, I don't know. Um, I think it's funny though how, Back in whenever it was, 96, 97, when it was the old school, you know, green helmets, you know, with the the jets and the, uh, you know, the airplane kind of thing, and how everybody, you know, was fired up when Bill Parcells changed to the current uniform scheme because it was, it was a, like, homage to, like, the Namath days, you know? And now it's like, oh, we, we, we want new uniforms. We want, and I think... This is the time. If they, the Jets are going to do something like this, this is the time because you've got new coaching staff, you've got a quarterback, you've got some some guys like Adams who's you know becoming a star. Like it, it's all marketing, obviously. But I mean, hopefully they get it right because just like any player move, if they if they don't get the uniforms right, look, I, you know I've followed the Islanders my whole life, and when they brought out. The fisherman logo—that was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, so, so as long as they don't do a fisherman type, you know, logo type thing, I think they'll be okay. But uh, you know, I, I think it's fun for the fans. I, I don't really care. I mean, you're gonna watch regardless. You know, if they came out there with you know zigzags all over, I mean, that you'd hate it. But that's the team, you know. But I think it's kind of fun, and I, I think people will want to get the the latest. Adams Darnold jersey or Le'Veon Bell jersey, you know, in a jet, you know, whatever color it is. So we'll see. But I think April, mid-April, I think that's when, um, you know, that kind of stuff will become official and we'll see exactly what the, uh, the scheme is. So whatever that is. I still remember the days of Steve Summers on the overnights on WFAN saying, oh, the Gordon's Fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Exactly. You just maybe have a flashback to those days, Dennis. Those were the days, man, in sports radio. No, no Steve Summers making fun of Islander fans and trolling them into calling in and getting angry at him. I'm sure that if the Jets have bad uniforms or ugly uniforms, Steve Summers, who is still around, will have no problem trolling Jets fans into calling in and baiting them into being angry <laughs> as well as we get ready to see what happens with this offseason and the uniforms. Dennis Wazak, one of my favorite beat reporters for the Associated Press, has been doing a great job covering the Jets for over a dozen years. And like I said, best musical taste on the New York Jets beat. I love all you guys on the beat, but Dennis has you dead to rights in that category. Not even close. So, Dennis, before you go, you got to let me in on something. What have you been listening to these days? I um, Let's see. Well, you know what? I haven't been listening to anything really new lately. I, I've just uh, I got back into into a uh, Kill Switch Engage kick, um, the Howard Jones albums. Uh, those those are my my favorites right now. But uh, uh, I think uh, oh, uh, Walking Papers is kind of a band that's 
Um, uh, Duff McKagan is involved. Um, kind of, kind of a bluesy rock, pretty cool sound. Um, I, uh, I went to see Breaking Benjamin in December with Connor Hughes and, uh, <laughs> they were really good. That's the second time I've seen them. We saw them at Starland in, uh, Sayreville and, uh, it, it was a tremendous show. Really good. Those guys are, you know, they can rock. So, uh, so yeah, you know, just kind of a mix of stuff here and there. And I know, okay, I know this is going to ruffle some feathers, but I love Imagine Dragons. I love those guys. I love the lyrics. I love the music. It's not hard rock. It's not metal. But um, I love the vibe. So um, I know I'm going to get some crap for that, but I really <laughs> like them. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's okay. I've been listening to Cage the Elephant lately, so similar vibe yeah. there. <laughs> there you go. And All unlike right. you, Dennis, I've been mostly listening to the classics lately. I was listening to a lot of Deep Purple recently. By the way, oh, nice. since you mentioned Breaking Benjamin, I thought I should point out for the younger listeners who may not know this, Breaking Benjamin is actually named after Ben Graham, the former punter for the New York Jets. There you go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Obviously, that's not true. But the funny thing about that, Dennis, is that I guarantee you there's a significant portion of Jets fans that don't know Breaking Benjamin because they're, I guess at this point, believe it or not, and this makes us both feel old, I'm sure, an older band. And so they probably would believe what I just said. So go ahead, look them up, Breaking Benjamin. And then maybe the next time you're at a concert, you never know. You might be walking around and you bump into Connor Hughes and Dennis Wazak hanging out, rocking out to Breaking Benjamin. I know that one of these days, Dennis, you and I got to get on the same page and get to one of these hard rock or heavy metal shows, my man, because we just like too many of the same awesome bands to not headbang together one of these days. There you go. Now, you know what? I'm, my wife got tickets to see Kiss <laughs> in August, so we're going to see Kiss. I'm not a huge Kiss fan. That's her favorite band, but I mean, and, and we've got two-fourths, so they got half of the band that's still there, you know, and... Uh, I mean, you know, Paul Stanley kind of uses uh, tracks now instead of live. But you know what? They put on a great show. It's fun. You know, so it's that's classic right there. So I'm down. I'll go. She she doesn't have to drag me to that show. You know, so <laughs> so it'll be fun. It'll be fun. So yeah, we'll see what I'll do. I think uh, Godsmack and Volbeat, uh, those are two of my favorite bands. I think they're touring together in the summer, and um, so we'll you know we'll see. You start to hear. You know, as like April comes around, late March, April, some of the summer shows. So that's always a fun thing, you know, to, to, to hear, you know, right before football season starts, you get some of those summer shows in and rock out a little bit and then kick it off and, and roll with the season. Yeah, you'll enjoy Kiss. I'll tell you this. I saw them once live, and they were fun. I'm not the biggest Kiss fan in the world, but I enjoyed the live show. And I do have a real quick story from when I was first starting out in radio, and then I know you got to run. But I had the opportunity to meet Gene Simmons at one of my first radio jobs. I was a low man on the totem pole, and I was coming in, and he was a guest on the radio show I was working on at the time. I didn't know it ahead of time because the host, who is now a national name, Eddie Trunk, was having him on. Uh -oh. As a guest, and I had no idea because it's not like these were things that were decided weeks or something ago in advance. It was just kind of spur of the moment. He had a lot of friends, and whoever happened to be around sometimes would come up or they would call in and whatever. And I got there, and all of a sudden I'm walking up to the building, and there's just tons of people surrounding the building, adults no less, in full kiss makeup with their vinyl just standing there. And they were standing there from the second I got there, which would have been around... 
I don't know, 9 p.m. to the second that I left, which is I think I walked him out of the building at about one o'clock in the morning and these people were all still there waiting for him. So the craziest things ever, the Kiss Army is no joke, man. Those guys are seriously loyal, but I think you'll have a good time. Like you said, I'm not the biggest Kiss fan, but you'll enjoy the show. I, I saw them, I think it was like 2000, maybe 99, so one, one, of the, one of the farewell tours that happened 20 years ago, you know, and uh, <laughs> Ted Nugent opened up for them, and, uh, that, you know, that was, that was something, you know, an experience too, but yeah, I mean, I, I had fun, you know all the songs, you know, you know all the songs, and, you know, the fire, and the blood, and, you know, the boots, like, you know, it's all good. And Paul Stanley, look at my hairy chest! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dennis Wozniak of the Associated Press, thank you so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. I hope we can do this again soon. Before you go, why don't you let everybody know how they can read your work and how they can follow you on Twitter. You can go to, uh, to Twitter. It's uh, dwaz, D-W-A-Z, 73. And you can go to uh, AP News. Uh, dot com and search for NFL Jets and that kind of thing and you could find all the all the AP stuff on there so uh, it, you know and then it it gets out and all that but that's the most direct way and uh, I've got a you know Facebook page and all that so there you go. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next up on the roundtable, a good friend of mine, a longtime suffering Jets fan, poor soul, and also one hell of a published author. He's the author of the book Van Halen Rising, the definitive look at the rise of the great band Van Halen, Mr. Greg Renoff. Greg, what's going on, man? Hey, Scott. Just uh, in the middle of the uh, post-Super Bowl lull here, waiting for uh, the next steps along the way for free agency and the drafts and all that stuff, and excited about... uh, next season hoping for uh, an improved new york jets yeah and if there's going to be an improved new york jets it's going to be on the shoulders of two men mostly mike mccagnan and adam gase so let's talk about them first your thoughts on mccagnan being retained and then your thoughts on the hiring of adam gase you know mike mccagnan for me is one of these classic examples of how you can have the same information in front of two different people and they can come to two totally different conclusions about whether this person has done a good job or not. I mean, I think, I think it'd be very difficult to argue that Mike McCagnon has done a great job. Um, but I think he's had some moves along the years, going back even to the Brandon Marshall trade, Chris Ivory kind of can go down the line of all these different things that have happened where he had brought in some pieces that came re- relatively cheaply that paid off. On the other hand, we all know about the failures with the draft, the Hackenberg example, as per his latest lack of, uh, lack of success on the football field the last weekend. Uh, So it's easy to kind of point at those and say that he's not done a great job. So my honest opinion about what probably went on behind the scenes, I I had a a hard time believing that Chris Johnson could have looked himself in the mirror and said, I need to fire the GM and fire the coach. And I'm going to be the person who's going to run this search. So I have a feeling that if, for example, we had a, uh, a coach that might have survived one more year, maybe he would have looked harder at, at not retaining McCagden. It's, it's just, it just seemed to me that he wasn't going to be able to go into this without somebody uh, at his side that he trusted. And so I think that's probably why McCagden, McCagden survived in, in some way. Uh, and also I think it looks like to me, from what I can tell that Chris Johnson does not seem to be a person who's a, uh, you know, he's not a Jerry Jones. He's not a rash, a rash individual who's going to sort of come up with a, something that's going to really upset the apple cart. So we'll see. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not sold on McKagan and his drafting ability. I think that, that this year is it. I mean, I think this is it for him. Um, I heard you talk about make or break. 
uh, in terms of, well, you know, there shouldn't be a playoff mandate for someone like McCagden and someone like Adam, Adam Gase. But I, and I think, I think this is an important year. I think this is going to tell the tale. I think in terms of his uh, ability to go on long-term, if we have uh, a couple guys who can come in right away in the draft and make a real contribution and actually outperform or at least perform up to expectations. I mean, even that would be a miracle for some of the, certainly some of the drafts McCagden has had. We, we, you know, I think he probably is uh, on a less hot seat, but I, I think if we have a uh, first round bust, God forbid, if someone doesn't play or just another couple of real big swings and misses at big spots, it's going to be kind of hard to make the case that McCagden is, is, uh, is the guy since he's been here in, in place for years now. What about Gase? You know, I, I, as you know, we talked about this, and I talked about this on Twitter with a number of people I follow who are Jet fans. I was, I was when I first heard Adam Gase, uh, his name actually, I first heard it actually of all people on the Joe and Evan show. I heard Evan uh, on WFN in New York say, "What about Adam Gase?" And both of those guys were sort of like, "Oh, it can't happen." It's one of these things like, "Oh, the plane will never crash." <laughs> Next thing you know, it's like you're headed straight to the ground. You're like, "It's going to happen. We're not going to pull out." Uh, so I was pretty agitated about the idea of hiring a guy in the division who certainly had not succeeded. I mean, that's the thing is when you compete against someone in the division, you, you get a good look at them and he had had some good games. Uh, Gase is a coach. I thought I saw some do some things, but on the flip side of that, he certainly had not been anyone who would say that this guy is a, a, a proven commodity in some sort of way as a coach. And so, you know, I think all, all things uh, being equal, I probably would have preferred someone else, the former Green Bay coach Mike McCarthy would have been someone I probably would have preferred over over Gase, but you know at this point it's nothing you can do about it except sort of say hope for, hope for the best. It's just that's it. That's the way it is. The die was cast, and Darnold on a couple podcasts. It's obviously these guys are going to be politically correct now. They talk about things, but he sounded like uh, honestly like he was excited. And I would assume that if he had strong feelings against Gase, he probably would have voiced it, and maybe that would have swung the pendulum. He wasn't going to make the decision, obviously, but I you know I would think if he seems to be. Um, able to think about himself playing within Gase's system. That's probably a good thing, but it's, it's as you know, as a Jets fan, you just it's very hard to look back at the last 20 or so years and, and be super optimistic about some of the coaching moves because there's been more people who have not succeeded than succeeded. Let's move on to the players that could be added under Gase and McCagnin here in New York, and we'll start with free agency because it comes up before the draft. We'll save Le'Veon Bell for last. Any players or positions you'd specifically like to see the Jets target in free agency this offseason? You know, I, I, I have a, I know now that they let Long go, I, I really would like to see them spend uh, on the offensive line. I, mean, I think the example of Nate Solder is a real good cautionary tale where you make him, what, the highest played offensive lineman of all time, or he was, I don't know if he still is, but he was when he was signed. And then supposedly he was fighting an injury last year, and I know he played fairly well when he played with Brady. But Brady gets rid of the ball in one second, as you know. And so it's a cautionary tale in terms of spending lots of money on free agent linemen and not getting the payoff. But I just I look at what happened with someone like Andrew Luck and some of these other guys who have just been, you know, Carr going back to the you know couple decades where guys are just getting absolutely crushed as young quarterbacks and, and can't kind of make that leap. I, I really am worried with the uh, with the. Uh, Carpenter is going to be departing and just not having a have shell coming off an injury and not having a, a line that you could look at and go, this looks like it's going to be a quality line. I would really like to see them to, to spend on at least one or two guys who are, who are, um, have a chance of being able to be plugged in and at least being competent on the line, because that would be my biggest, my, my honestly, my biggest fear beyond the fact, of course, the running game was, it was less than, less than stellar last year as well. There wasn't much push from those guys on the line. 
that would be getting Darnold hurt or getting him dealing while he's under duress and he can't develop because he's he's running for his life every every uh, every other play. I mean, I think he's he's a guy who's probably uh, has a little bit more mobility than people probably thought, but he's also not a guy who's going to be able to uh, to avoid pressure on a regular basis and and be able to uh, make plays where he's you know being being uh, chased and have to run all the time. We don't want to see him getting getting hit three four times a game like that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. What about the draft? What do you think they should do at number three? Would you trade down? Would you sit at number three? Is there a specific player you like? And what about the mid and late rounds? Any positions or players that you have your eye on? You know, for the for the the, the, the position they're in right now, I mean, I think I, I honestly think unless there's a player that they absolutely fall in love with, I would I would probably try to trade down. I think when you have so many teams now that are quarterback hungry, I mean, even we were talking about it before we came on the air where you have John Elway making the move for Flacco, which certainly is is uh another move that could be debated whether that was, was, uh, was the right move for them. There are teams that need quarterbacks. And I, I would certainly think that if there is a, a chance you could move down because someone sees a player like a quarterback, they have to have, and you could really get a, a haul. Look what the Colts did. The Colts really, you know, for the trade for the, with the Jets, it worked out well for both teams, but they got a great haul from, from the players that they, uh, they took with the Jets, Jets pick. So I would like to see them trade down. That said, if there was going to be a pick, they would, they would like to make. I mean, I think obviously, if someone like Bosa falls to you, which would be a you know you never know it could happen. It's probably not going to happen. You you take that you you take that player because you need that uh that edge rusher. But that would be my my one thing. I think unless there's the you know the edge rusher or the or the real disruptor who's going to to uh, be someone you think is an absolutely can't miss. I would trade out of that out of that spot in terms of the, in terms of the later rounds. I think there are so many there are so many holes on the. On the Jets team, I mentioned again the offensive line. That would be something I would definitely would like to see. I also think that, especially if we don't end up with a, uh, the the uh, prize prize running back that we maybe would like to see um, come to the come to the Jets on, from free agency. I mean, I really think that you know I think Eli McGuire is a nice a nice little player, but he's definitely not a guy you could you could count on to be your feature back. I mean, that's that think that's obvious. Kent Trenton Cannon. Too many drops on big, big situations with throws. I, I would be concerned about letting him get too many reps at this point, unless he can improve his, prove his, uh, his pass catching. Uh, and neither, ne- honestly, neither of those guys really, to me, popped off the screen. So I would like to see them try to get a, a running back as well, who's someone who can come in who could really be, a, you know, a, a, a difference maker that could really be somebody that you have to game plan for. I mean, that to me is one of the biggest things about the Jets has been there haven't been guys on offense who you had a game plan for uh, really nobody that has been like uh, somebody, I think the teams are like, well, this guy is, you know, beyond the sort of like, well, we don't want Robbie Anderson to be this deep and whatever, but there's been nobody who's a, who's a absolute stud player who you're like, shit, we got to stop this guy or we're going to be in, in trouble. And so to get a, get someone in there, a rookie in there, a running back in the mid rounds who could really be that type of player. That would be, I think a big, a big, uh, a big plus, And certainly someone who would, would pick a lot of heat off of Darnold. Well, there is one player on the open market this year who could fit that bill. And that of course is Le'Veon Bell, the running back from the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you think about that situation? If you were the Jets, would you be willing to pay him whatever you had to, to bring him in here? And let's talk also a little bit about Bell's teammate in Pittsburgh, Antonio Brown. There's rumors that he and A.J. Green could be available, possible weapons you could add to this offense with Sam Darnold. Would you be willing to surrender draft picks for them? So would you pay Bell, and would you be willing to trade for Brown or Green? You know, I, I think I think let's start with, with, uh, with Bell. I mean, I think the thing about Bell is that he is, for all of his flaws as a 
individual. I mean, I think walking away from the Steelers last year was something that was, I mean, certainly, I mean, that's something that should give anybody pause. I mean, he, he you know, I, we understand the logic, I think, from his standpoint where he, he felt he had to take a year off. But if you were on that team, and especially if the Steelers didn't make it to the Super Bowl, you have to look back at that and go, we could have used this guy one way or the other. And so to have that happen, that, that, that sort of gives, you know, gives me pause about him in terms of a, a teammate. But on the other hand, I mean, we have the we have the salary cap room. He is a tremendous player. I think it's worth rolling the dice with him, especially if you can get out of the contract, like all these contracts after two years. I mean, I think I would spend on him for sure um, and try to bring him in. I think we've seen that Jamal Adams is doing his best to try to recruit this guy, get him here. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I mean, that's that's obvious. That's been going on in, in even on Twitter. I mean, putting that out there for the public to see. I'm sure there's been texts and phone calls and whatever else there's been to try to bring these guys here. But And again, I mean, I think when you have a young quarterback, Darnold had flashes last year where he looked like he could be among the best of the best quarterbacks if he continues to develop. And I, I just, that really concerns me about trying to go into the season with the, uh, the young running backs that they have. I just don't see anybody who's going to be able to step up and, and, uh, and be a, a real game breaker. And so to have someone like that, to have a chance of that, I think you have to try. In terms of trading, trading picks, I mean, I, I just, I, I, I think of all the things that we could look at in terms of, of the Jets, in terms of their, poor drafting over the years i mean ideally you want to build your team with draft picks you want to draft a guy put him on your team get him signed and then have him on that rookie contract and be able to uh to get get that maximum for the minimum pay out of, out of that guy i mean so to bring in bring in these these wide receivers by having to trade picks that's that's uh could come at a high cost what do you think about the uniforms as we move away from the actual on-field product, Greg? You've been a fan of this team for a really long time. Are you looking forward to this as much as some other people are? And what do you think they should do in terms of color scheme? I, I mean, I think the funniest thing about that is that all of the, if, you, if you're on Jets Twitter and you follow some of the, the tweets, there's like actually some mock-ups. Uh, some are better than others, but actually some that look pretty good. I'm actually afraid that the fake mock-ups that were like, like some kid made on his 17-year-old kid made on his uh, his Photoshop at his house in uh, in Poughkeepsie or something like that is going to be better than what they actually end up with. <laughs> I'm actually afraid because there's a couple. I'm like, hey, Michael Nania, and you have retreated some of these. I'm like, those looks pretty good, actually. Uh, you know, I think I think you can see with the NBA, I mean, there's just this, this notion that you could put new uniforms on the guys as often as possible. You can sell more jerseys. I, I think I would actually like to see something that, maybe reflected a little bit of the, of the, of the sack exchange era, some sort of, whether it be the colors or the, or something with the logo that's sort of reminiscent of that. But, you know, I, I think uh, I, like I said, I just, my expectations are, are tempered, but again, I'm going to be really pretty unhappy if we go back and look and go, damn, this, this one, that this kid made <laughs> in his house is actually way better than the one that the Nike came up with. He is the author of the great book, Van Halen Rising. Can't recommend that book enough, not just because he's my friend, but because it's a great book. Van Halen is a great band, so what better way to learn about them than to read Greg's book? It's available at Amazon and pretty much anywhere else where you can buy books. He's also a longtime diehard Jets fan, so I was glad that he was able to make a few minutes to come on the roundtable. Mr. Greg Renoff. Greg, thanks so much for coming on. For anybody that doesn't know where to find you, why don't you go ahead and let him know? Yeah, please follow me on Twitter at Greg Renoff. So it's at G-R-E-N-O-F-F. And uh, look forward to connecting with people. Thanks, Greg. And thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this sixth edition of the 2019 Offseason Roundtable. We'll have another one coming up within the next couple of days. But in the meantime, for all the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. 
That's turn on the Jets digital and turn on the Jets.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.